Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Have my postcard of the day. It is a postcard of the Freedom Tower in New York City. Have you ever been there? What a beautiful sight that is, a, a building of hope in every sense of the word. This is from our dear church member, Ginger, who was in New York visiting her grandmother for her 97th birthday. That's grandma's 97th birthday, not Ginger's 97th birthday. But she bought this on September 11th, so how appropriate is that? And I love that postcard. Thank you for that, Ginger. We are in Jeremiah chapter 18 today, and we we saw how the Lord responded to the very negative response of the people of God to Jeremiah's preaching. Jeremiah showed them exactly what God showed him, of the potter's house and that illustration and how the people had uh, disobeyed the Lord, and yet God was still willing to remake them, another vessel. They wouldn't like the way that God was going to shape them now, though. The tool that God would use would be Babylon, and the people said, well, there's just no hope. We might as well just live it up and live evil lives. And God said, who talks like that? Even the Gentiles with their false gods and their false worship, they don't talk like that. They don't have that attitude. And yet here are my people speaking that way, uh, how very sad that is. And the Lord pronounces that uh, further judgment, so to speak, upon them, especially when he said, when I scatter you and you inevitably do call out to me in desperation, I will turn my back. I will not show you my face. In other words, my favor will have been removed. My spirit shall not always strive with man. Sometimes God has to allow that that negative circumstance to do its work. Why? Because they would not listen to anything else. So here we are in verse number 18, and watch again the response of the people when uh, they hear this additional message from the Lord. Then Then said they, this is Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 18, then said they, come, and let us devise devices against Jeremiah. How interesting. So how is God's word being communicated to God's people? Through Jeremiah. So instead of taking the word of God to heart, instead of recognizing for what it was, remember that's what Paul said to the Thessalonians. He said, we were especially grateful that when you received the word of God, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. So those Thessalonian believers understood that, yeah, it might we might be hearing Paul's voice. We might be seeing Paul's presentation, but we know that this is in essence the word of God, unlike these people uh, back in Jeremiah's day who were getting more and more mad at Jeremiah. Uh, They were taking out their frustration on the messenger. And watch what happens here, verse number 18. Let us devise devices against Jeremiah. 
So let's plot against him. So think about it. There is a conspiracy. There's a complicit, uh, a complicity among the enemies of Jeremiah. Let's get together and let's devise devices. Let's make up lies. Let's make up a scheme. Let's create a scenario. Think about that. They are more than willing to agree to be deceptive. And how do they do it? Well, look at verse number 18. They said, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let us smite him with the tongue and let us not give heed to any of his words. So think about what they're saying. They're saying, we've got to come up with some way to get rid of this guy. We don't like what he's saying. If we have to come up with some scheme or some device, some plan of deception to to, uh, make him unbelievable to to the people, some plan to discredit him, then we're going to do that. Why? Because the priest has to keep on preaching, do it, keep on teaching the law, the law, and the 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 wise man needs to keep on giving counsel, the elder, and the prophet needs to keep on giving the word of God. Uh, we can't have all of my our friends and colleagues deposed from their positions. We've got to rally to the cause. We've got to keep the preachers in their place, and the priests in their place, and the wise men in their place. We can't all be wrong. How much better just to get rid of one man than for all of us to admit that we're wrong or for all of us to be discredited among the people? How much better just to get rid of him through whatever means is necessary? Sounds a lot like what they did to Jesus. They didn't like his message. Uh, The high priest Caiaphas and the other religious leaders in the Sanhedrin council, they were more than willing to devise against him. Remember the night of Jesus' trial at the house of Caiaphas, how they sought for false witnesses. They knew what they were doing. They knew that they were being disingenuous. They knew that they were lying. They knew that they were trumping up charges and and assembling a kangaroo court. They knew all about that, but they justified it in their minds because they thought we're losing our power, we're losing our status, we're losing our position. Therefore, let's get together, let's agree, let's agree to lie and devise, let's get rid of Jesus, and then we will have the law as our weapon again. And we'll be able to give counsel according to our thoughts again. And we'll be able to tell people what the word of God is for our benefit again. Uh, Let's retain our position and our power and our popularity at all costs. And that's what's happening here. Uh, They are just getting together to devise a lie, to discredit the character of, to alienate the person of Jeremiah. Well, there's nothing new under the sun. We see the same thing today with religious politics. Just discredit people. You know, I'm just concerned about so-and-so. Yeah, I'm just concerned about his direction. We just use these little statements to cast aspersion on people. And why do we do that? Why do we do that? I think sometimes the reason we do that is because we want to retain our own position, our own honor, our own market share. And that's what's happening here. And Jeremiah is just caught in the crosshairs of a proud 
person, a proud people. Watch verse number 19. As Jeremiah responds, he's all all by himself. Uh, They are lying about him. They're misrepresenting his words. They're making him seem as if he's all alone, like he's crazy. And and what does Jeremiah do? How does Jeremiah respond? Well, watch what happens in verse number 19. Give heed to me, O Lord. Hearken to the voice of them that contend with me. Is it not interesting that Jeremiah makes it a matter of prayer? Jeremiah takes this thing to the Lord. Sometimes the only place you can go is the Lord. Sometimes the only person that will understand is the Lord. Sometimes the only resource you have is the Lord. And that certainly is the case here with Jeremiah. So Lord, hear me, hear my prayer. Watch what's going on. And it seems that Jeremiah is just doing all the right things. Now, watch what he says. Verse number 20, shall evil be recompensed for good? Lord, I'm trying to do good and they're doing evil to me. For they have digged a pit for my soul. Remember that I stood before thee to speak good for them and to turn away the wrath from them. Lord, I've not treated them this way. Lord, I've stood, I've preached the message, I've preached the message of potential repentance to them, of potential restoration. Uh, I've wanted to pray for them. You wouldn't even let me pray for them. Lord, it's not fair. I'm trying to help them. I'm obeying you. They are not trying to help me. They're trying to destroy me and they are not a living for you. This is backward. Verse number 21, therefore, So Jeremiah has just had it up to here, and watch what Jeremiah says. Therefore, deliver up their children to the famine. Pour out uh, their blood by the force of the sword. Let their wives be bereaved of their children and be widows. Let their men be put to death. Let their young men be slain by the sword in battle. Let a cry be heard from the houses when uh, thou shalt bring a troop suddenly upon them. For they have digged a pit for uh, to take me, and 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 uh, hid snares for my feet. Boy, I'll tell you what. For two verses, Jeremiah just says, "Lord, get them." So, Lord, this is the way they're going to be. Then, Lord, judge them. Let them die in battle. Let the women pay for it by losing sons and husbands in battle. Uh, let them be totally confounded when the enemy comes upon them. But it doesn't sound like the regular heart of Jeremiah, does it? But remember, Jeremiah here is speaking to the Lord. The Lord knows his heart anyway. This sounds like one of those imprecatory Psalms where David or uh, somebody else, Asaph, is just spilling out his emotion, his feelings toward the Lord. Lord, it's not fair. And Lord, just judge them. And Lord, take care of this. And Lord, just, uh, I'm through with them. Do you know that that's the best place to empty your frustrations? The best place to verbalize your, uh, sometimes even your unguarded heart is to the Lord. Don't take it out on them. Don't fight fire with fire. Uh, Don't, a fight, uh, manipulation with manipulation. No, Jeremiah does the right thing. He takes it to the Lord and spills out his emotional barrage to God. 
Now, I want you to see how the prayer ends in verse number 23. Yet, Lord, so he just spills it all out, but then he says, yet, Lord, thou knowest all their counsel against me to slay me. Lord, you know what they're up to. You know know the truth. And that's a great prayer, by the way. Lord, you know, you know. Watch this. Forgive not their iniquity, neither blot out their sin from thy sight, but let them be overthrown before thee. Lord, don't give them a pass. Lord, if this is their decision, may they have to abide by and pay for their decision. Again, there's still this this air of almost vindictiveness on the part of Jeremiah, but watch how he couches all of it. Watch how he frames all of it at the end of the chapter. Verse number 23, end of the verse, he says, deal thus with them in the time of thine anger. Deal thus with them in the time of thine anger. So Lord, this is how I feel. Lord, this is humanly speaking what I'd like to see happen. But Lord, I'm leaving this in your hands. And I'm leaving this in your time. So Lord, deal thus with them in the time of thine anger. So proper judgment is judgment when we say, Lord, it's your timing and it's the expression of your anger. Now, are you struggling with being misunderstood? Are you struggling with being betrayed? Are you struggling with being abused in some way uh, by others, lied about, manipulated? That's what's happening to Jeremiah. Yes, pour it out to the Lord. Take it to God. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. We sing the song. But be careful to couch all of that imprecatory prayer in the context of Lord, but deal with it in your time and according to your anger, your emotion, because the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, but God, he judges righteous judgment, right? And vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And so Jeremiah is so careful to take even his most raw emotions and give them to the Lord in prayer. And you can do that too, and so can I. So I hope that helps today. We finished chapter number 18. We'll jump into a brand new chapter next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.